wake up some mornings and like in a cold sweat and go like, oh shit, I started a magazine. What have I done? <laughs> uh, usually after I've had my coffee, eh, that's when I start thinking about it. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, definitely, definitely have uh, had a lot of those thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, man, I think magazines are, are notoriously hard to start. I've seen a couple of people do it really badly, but but you're you're one of the guys that really pulled it off, man. When I visited South Africa pre all this COVID shit, I bought a bunch and just took it to a couple of friends and they really loved it. Um, Wicked. Yeah. So, so okay, well, uh, let's, let's just roll back um, to hunting and to like video work pre the Hunter's Journal magazine. Yeah. Um, so, so how did you start hunting? Were you always based in Christchurch? Like, how did you get into in, into hunting? Yeah. So, always been based um, in Canterbury, basically, and oh, it, it, it all just started off just killing rabbits at the old man, basically, yeah. um, like most people. And then once I got to about, I think it was twelve or thirteen, the old man hit me up and was like, "Hey, we should um, buy a bigger rifle and, and try hunt some deer on public land." So I was like, sweet as. And then, yeah, we just gave that a go. Uh, we got terribly lost. I ended up by crying that night. Um, I walked in in steel caps and had a school backpack. Oh, Didn't shit. have a sleeping bag. So we just froze that night, trying to even trying to sleep in front of the fire. We just froze. And, yeah, it was like, at the time, the most horrible experience that I'd been through. But just um, going back to school on Monday, I just felt like an absolute boss because – you know, none of the other kids knew what I'd just been through, but I got through it and I was like, fuck, this feeling is awesome, eh? So, <laughs> yeah, it all kind of started from there. Um, and, like, you know, get, getting into hunting, the old man and I, we never actually had a lot of access to, like, private land to actually yeah. learn. Um, so everything was done on public. So, you know, we did, I think it was about seven or eight hunts that we had done on public land before I'd even seen a deer. And um, yeah, when we saw our first mob of reds, we 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 snuck in there and and shot one, and yeah, I was just over the moon with it. But basically, all of the hunting that we've done, um, well, yeah, basically learning how to hunt was all done on public land with with essentially no help because the old man didn't really have a clue what we were up to either. <laughs> That's so. awesome, man. I I um coming from South Africa and hunting on private land. I mean, if you if you're on if you're on public land and you're hunting. You're basically poaching, <laughs> so, yeah. so it's all private. No shit. Yeah, uh, here it, it's so awesome, man. I don't even know if if Kiwis know how awesome public land access is because they've it, it's yeah. there. I just think, man, yeah. a couple of times I've been on public land to to hunt, or I just go like this. I go back and I'm like, oh my shit, there's all this millions of acres and it's accessible, yeah. and you just need to use it. Yeah, man, that's, I reckon that is the case because I find that I think with a lot of Kiwis, because we've got it so good here, they don't really look at what's happening overseas or, or how hunting's, um, yeah, basically done in, you know, Africa and, and the States and whatnot and, and Aussie. So we've got it really good here and we don't really need to look outside of New Zealand for, for entertainment or inspiration or any of that so we can sort of get carried away with with how good we have it here um and you know that that, that just runs into its own issues obviously so so yeah. fr from that that first hunt where you basically froze your ass off how did it evolve into 
to something that you did regularly? Was it like, was that it? You start going out more or, or was it like a gradual to where you're now? Yeah, right. I don't know. I think it was, I think we just started to get stuck in after that. I think after that miserable hunt, it was just like we had this desire that we needed to at least see a wild animal on public land. And just like the idea of how awesome it'll be to get in there and, and have success um, in that way on public land. It was just, yeah, we were just hooked. We were just like craving that, that high essentially. Um, so yeah, like I said, we just get into more and more hunts where we didn't see jack shit. We didn't kill anything, but um, yeah, it just made that moment of, of finally seeing some, some red deer on public land, killing one, carrying it out. Um, yeah, from then on, it's just like that was the the best buzz ever. So we just need to keep going. Yeah, man. I we we were on a on on my first South Island hunt a while ago, and saw my first tar. And I'm like, like I've seen a lot of animals in Africa, right? But tar yeah. just um, it's I don't know. You know what I mean, right? You see that thing yeah. with the huge mane, and you're like, what the hell is this? Okay, I've yeah. seen a lot of crazy African animals, and uh, the animal kept on moving so my buddy couldn't get a shot and when i came back one of my friends were like oh you you didn't shoot anything oh that sucks man it was you know it basically said it was unsuccessful but it's not yeah. man being out there yeah. the whole day and uh but then coming back with that freaking crave to just go back and just go and do it again it's, that's what it's about exactly and and it's funny that you actually bring that one up because yesterday i was catching up with a, a couple buddies of mine that uh snowboarders and they just spent the day filming um some alleyboarding and so they were up the mount cook uh, way sorry down in the um mount cook area and they were they were buzzing um through some of these valleys just looking for, for areas to snowboard and they'd seen a bunch of wild tar just like moving through the faces and so when i caught up with them he was like yo i never understood why you're into hunting until yesterday when I saw those animals just cruising through those like crazy, um, you know, all of that crazy terrain, it was like, I finally get why you like to go out there and chase them so much. And now, you know, and, and now he's just more keen than ever to actually get out with me. So having That's just cool. seen those animals from a chopper was like, all right, I, I get it. I want to come out. <laughs> yeah. And, and when he looks at it and he can see it close by, it's going to blow his mind even more probably. Ex exactly. And like even, um, and another occasion when we took out some non-hunters, just like the moment that they finally saw some tar on the face from, you know, like that was still a couple hundred meters away, but the moment that they actually saw them in person and just the way that they just went by their day, it was, um, yeah, like got the same comments again. They're just like, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> that, are you talking about that specific, you, you made a short video on that, right? Was that the-, the Yeah, the a difficult treasure why why yeah. did you make that um well actually so the moment that i started thinking about that concept was we we had just been uh i think we had just gotten off Stewart island i think i was on on Stewart island with the hunters club and um we had just got back and came into re reception and then that's where all that news blow up uh, blew up about um you know the dog's plans for for the tarkal and we were just like holy shit and then we could see like you know that the hunting community you know starting to to really voice their opinions on the whole situation 
and then I was kind of just um yeah I was just kind of thinking on the boat like about the people close to me and how they just do not understand why I'd be so upset at the thought of you know all, all, all of these tar dying on the hill face um and so that's why I was like man we just need to get some of them out there and then just document it so that non-hunters can basically watch the cliff and just understand that all right these are people that aren't into killing animals but even they can see the appreciation yeah and having and having these tar um you know in new zealand having having a safe haven for them so yeah that's sort of where the where the project had sparked up um i've often thought about it because in in other countries wildlife photography is such a big thing you know um and there's whole industries you can create around it and uh uh if that can just take off in New Zealand, you know, people, people who want to take photos will be super psyched to take it. It's yeah. just because it's, it's an in, invasive, which I don't see it. I, I don't see it as a pest. Uh, it's, it's just seen as a yeah. no, no, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely a difficult thing to comprehend at the start. Um, but you know, that's, that's the cool thing about some of these, these groups and organizations that have, started up by the tar foundation and, and people like the NZDA and the game animal council is like, you know, it's, it's quite comforting knowing that we've got those guys there fighting yeah. for these animals and, and for our rights as hunters. So yeah, you know, like I, I can do my part, which is doing the creative stuff and storytelling. Um, and, you know, we've got those other, other guys that are doing more of the nitty gritty sort of work to, to make sure that, you know, they're still here. Um, you, if you look back like five years, was your career trajectory like you're going to do snowboard films? Was that what you had in mind? Because I looked at the, uh, a couple of your, your videos, you know, I see that and you studied film. What, was that what you had in mind and it changed? Or if, if I asked yeah. you five years ago, let's say it's eight years ago, where you saw your career going, was it snowboarding? Uh. I can't quite remember. I think I think I was, I think I was trying to work it out, because what I done was like snowboarding initially got me into the filming. Yeah. Um. You know that's that's what inspired me to pick up a camera, and then but as soon as I picked up a camera, I was like, oh, I want to bring this to hunting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I started filming some hunting, but I was still spending a lot of time with my snowboard friends and really enjoyed. Um, yeah, basically creating content around snowboarding. And so I was like, I think I'll probably pursue some of the snowboarding stuff. And so that's when I went overseas for a few months and just filmed skis and snowboarders. And it's, it's, it's quite interesting because that shit was really, really fun. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you're just in crazy parts of the world. You're with your mates. You're just, I don't know, you're just basically getting on the piss when and where you want. And then the next day you're going up the mountain, you're hanging out, you're doing some filming. It's um, it's really like you know, it allows you to be very creative when you're when you're filming and editing. But after about three months of being overseas, I was like, oh, I'm pretty desperate to to go home and and go for a hunt. Yeah. So I think at, at that point, I was like, that was cool, but I think I might dedicate myself more towards the hunting. Mm. Um, when you go out now, how often are you actually a participant and how often are you behind the lens? Because it's very easy for me as a photographer just to go out and sit behind the lens the whole time. Yeah. I, I basically spent like every hunt, I'll, I'll have a camera with me. 
Like yeah. there's there's not a chance that I'd actually go for a hunt and not take photos. It's just sometimes, um, you know, sometimes I may get behind the rifle if there's an opportunity or, yeah, but that's very rare, eh? Like when I'm when I'm filming hunts, then I'm just 100% dedicated to to filming. Um, and it's pretty hard to to get involved as a hunter when you're doing that. But with the photography side, you can sort of just, like my style of photography is kind of just like go on the mission, have a lot of fun, and I'll just snap away every now and then. Yeah. So what that means is like, you know, if, if I go for a hunt, you know, one of my friends might have the goal of, uh, of, of, of taking an animal. So we sort of just focus on that. If they manage to achieve that and there's something else that, that sticks out to me that I want to pursue, like a like another good animal, then yeah, we'll go after it. But the priority is pretty much always getting that hunter an animal because yeah. obviously I can't be seen in the magazine yeah, yeah, yeah. on every single and then page. Do- and then <laughs> you documenting, obviously, that. Yeah, like like just me always photographing the hunter that's that's always the priority then getting an animal down if i if i go after an animal and shoot it then yeah i'll I'll ask them to just take some photos of me with with an animal or whatnot and sometimes we'll still include that with the magazine but yeah that's about it um if you go out on like let's say the last 10 hunts you were on how many of them did you actually take an animal and how many of them were you just like shooting uh uh, stills or, or video the whole time uh like and are you meaning like over the last 10 hunts how often have we gotten an animal or no no like you specifically because so so like the balance between actually hunting and just like being on a hunt and shooting film or stills yeah it's it's actually been a lot like i've I've actually jumped behind the rifle a lot more recently um yeah i don't know it's like probably within like the last year it's probably been about 50 50 but that's always been because like you know um on one occasion we we had ridden up a a valley on horseback and then camped the night and then we climbed up into the tops where we were going to spend another night and hunt shammy once we had broken up into the tops we looked back down to the valley and the horses had broken out of the fencing and started to take off so that meant that and, and I, I already had a miserable trip by that point because I, uh my saddle had slipped off the back of the horse and i had buggered my video camera so i see i said to jared this is this is with a kid called jared hammond that, uh, that i hunt a fair bit with i said to him um i was just like man can you go grab those horses and i'm just going to stay up here for the night and just hunt and he was like yeah sweet ass not a problem so he he drops down and and wrangles up his horses and then i just carried on hunting so that was that was one scenario and actually with the same same fella jared um there was another occasion where i had flown in and he had ridden in on his horses um and he had been in this in this valley for a few days i came in with another mate and we he had found a couple of stags so we went after them anyway we got within about 120 meters of these stags and there was two of them there and so we're like, well, shit, how about I shoot first and then I'll quickly hand the rifle over to Jared just because they were right beside each other, you know? And it's been, oh, it'd been years since I'd last shot a red stag. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, th- I think it was about nine or 10 years since, since I had la- last shot a red stag. So, yeah, that was basically another occasion. So, yeah. How much, how much meat do you buy at the supermarket? 
a lot of chicken, eh? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's mostly chicken. <laughs> the rest, um, yeah, yeah, no. Nah. Yeah. So, so when did you have the first idea of starting the Hunter's Journal? Like, how long ago was that? Like, the first time you said, "I think I should should start a magazine." It was, it was maybe like four years ago, I think. Yeah, roughly about four years, and it was actually down in Queenstown um, because I was helping out my my partner with a wedding fair that she was helping to organise, and I was just sitting around this table with just a a bunch of ladies um, that were right in amongst the wedding scene. But one of them there was called Greta and she has got a wedding magazine called Together Journal. And so I was talking to her about the hunting scene. And basically what I was finding at the time was uh, originally I did want to get into doing a TV series and, and basically creating something like that. But it was around the same time that the Hunters Club at NZ Hunter had started up. And so I was like, okay, well, I don't have too much interest in doing that now. So <clears throat> I started thinking about doing like an online video series. But I was talking to her and I was talking to, to Greta about the hunting scene and what's here and, and my skills. And she basically suggested doing a, doing a magazine as well. And I was like, well, shit, why not? Like, I don't pick up magazines, yeah. you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in magazines. So why don't I create something that I would actually be interested yeah. in? And um, from there, it was just basically like, I just started imagining this idea of having a magazine, how it would look, um, how it would tell stories. And yeah, I just kind of got hooked on the idea. So just decided to jump straight in and, and start making it. How um, um, Did you have any experience with magazines before that? Shit, no. <laughs> no, I, yeah, <laughs> you know, like I could, I could barely write a story. Like at the time, all I knew was how to take a photo. Yeah, you know, like I, I knew how to take photos, and that's all I had. Um, but what I, what I also had was I just had great connections with a lot of different people in the hunting scene. So you know, I just started suggesting the ideas to to them, and and people were for it. <clears throat> so yeah, like the the whole magazine, like although I'm the one that started it it was all like it all came together just by a collaborative process with other people within the industry basically yeah did you did you know them through through like work through form work or did you just know them through whatever shooting at the shooting range and knowing some guy yeah, knows just, a guy like yeah just anyone and everyone and like as soon as i launched the magazine then that's when i started to get far more introductions to be within the scene so, you know, once, once you basically put out a product and you've established yourself, yeah. then, you know, that's when you can start mingling with, with other people in the industry. So how, yeah. how hard was it to get your first ad? Because it all, it all revolves around ad money, man. You can't do anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was, it was really easy. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because what, what I had done was I had basically created the first like half of a magazine and so i put together the stories the layout like all the design and i had just done a, a, a test run and yeah. basically just printed out like four or five of these journals and then so i just um flew around the well like you know i just emailed a bunch of distributors and brands that, that i was a fan of and said hey can we just link up and i just want to talk to you about something and so I linked up with them and I was like, look, this is what I'm wanting to do. And they're like, yeah, sweet. Let's, um, let's get us amongst it, basically. So, That's yeah. Awesome. 
do you think uh, starting the magazine was like, because uh, you said you, you hardly pick up magazines. Um, yeah. I, a couple of years ago, let's say eight years ago, I applied for the post of an editor for a hunting magazine in South Africa. And I remember being quite disappointed when I didn't get, get the work. And then like two months after, I remember walking into a supermarket and picking up this magazine, which I had applied for as the editor and then going through it and going like, holy shit, that was such a save because it's such a shit mag, you know, like at the time when I was looking for yeah. work, I was like, you kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll do this. And when, when I really stood back and I had nothing to lose and I looked at it, I'm like, this is terrible. It's just the same thing yeah. over and over. Do you feel it was like, a, like a, sure. yeah. you wanted to kind of counter what was in the industry or did you just want to do your own thing? It, it was, it wasn't so much like I never looked at the other magazines and I was like, that's not what I'm going to do. It was just more of a case of like, mm, I don't like them. I'm not interested in them. Yeah. But I did have other inspiration from like other snowboarding magazines and skate magazines. So it was, yeah, like I, I, well, I did know that there were some things that I definitely didn't want to do looking at the other, looking at the other magazines, but yeah, most of it was more just focusing on what I wanted to do and what, what I wanted to see in print essentially. Um, and you've yeah. grown now. It's 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 you, your partner, and 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 a designer, or is it is is that full time, or how does that work? Yeah. So at the moment, we've got we've got myself. Um, Sophie helps out a lot. Uh, she's kind of just a genius with with everything, even when it just comes to liaising about ideas. Um, and we've also got Tom with us now, and he's a he's a young fella from Dunedin that basically um, is going to be helping us out with a lot of the photo and video side. So yeah, he's um yeah so that's that's sort of what he'll be doing. We've got the designer. He's he's just part time, um, and so he just comes in sort of when we need issues uh, created. And then just recently, we've also got someone else on board that's doing uh, digital marketing strategies that we're that was sort. Of, it's basically like a new service that we're offering brands that, that we work with. Awesome. So, yeah. Um, mm. Was, was photography uh, always like a prime focus for you? Because the photography is, is it, it's really good. Okay. So like why, why let's say, let's, uh, let me ask you this way. Why has hunt photography? Why do you think become so good? Is it as these guys come out of, out of different backgrounds or, or is it just booming so much? Why do you think photography and hunting has become really like cutting edge? It's it's pretty hard for me to say because everything basically comes from the states, yeah. and so the the photographers over in the states they're phenomenal, you know, and they and they have been for a while. Um, and so I think it just naturally trickles down to to the New Zealand scene once we start seeing what they're doing over there, but. Even now, like I would say probably only in the last two years, I've really started to see a notice and and hunting photography in New Zealand sort of start to to step up. Because when I was getting into it and sort of dedicating myself, I didn't really know anyone else that that was really prioritizing uh, hunting photography. Meanwhile, now I think, you know, having having the magazine and sort of setting uh, a rough standard for how hunts can be photographed 
um, you know, and not just from the technical side, just like what to photograph. Yeah. Um, I think just since since we've started putting out just more of what we're doing, people are like, they recognize that although we've taken an epic photo, it's only epic because of the hunt that we're on. Mm. And basically every hunter out there is on an epic hunt. So they're like, yeah. man, I need to, I need to capture my hunts and show them off in a, in a way that actually portrays how epic that moment was. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think it's because people have got a, a, an emotional attachment to their hunts and how epic they've been, and then they've just seen us and how we capture it, and still manage to portray how epic it is. So yeah, yeah, I'm actually fucking excited for for some of the people that are getting more and more into the photography side. Eh? it's it's getting pretty unreal, um, and like a lot of these people, all all they needed was like a bit of encouragement um, to actually spend the money on a camera. Yeah. And then maybe maybe a couple tips on how to use it. And then they're just away. Like it's just a few small steps for them to get past. And then once they start going on those hunts and just hitting the shutter, man, I've been doing some incredible shit, eh? That's awesome. Do, do you have specific guys you rely on or is it is it is it very random at the moment? I like don't have specific guys that we rely on, but like we've just sort of got uh, just like a bit of a community that's sort of coming together that all have like a similar interest in photography. So, um, and then, and then naturally like, you know, I'm, I'm really passionate about, um, you know, printing, like putting these images into print. Right. So because I've got that passion behind it, I really appreciate it when we get good quality images from people yeah. um, and we do it justice, you know, like, another magazine they could get the images and they put it onto maybe three pages and that's it yeah and they you know and they and they just put in little shitty thumbnails for, for images meanwhile we like to really um yeah basically give these photographers a platform so by doing that i think we'll just build up a great relationship with with a lot of the photographers here the the, the if that makes sense yeah 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 it does man and the hunting industry and the uh the outdoor industry is is booming in terms of mm. the content that's being produced like some of the articles like I, I follow a lot of stuff from the states like outside magazine that covers yeah everything i mean they cover huge alpine expeditions and they cover hunting and um uh, it's becoming harder to get into uh overseas because there's so many people uh good at it but i think in new zealand you can still get into it and if you get into it now, you probably will be one of the, the starters. But in 10 years, it's going to be super tough, I think, to get into that market. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I've been encouraging that for people as well. Like there's, you know, obviously, obviously New Zealand is very small. Um, and like, you know, the brands and the budgets here are, are on a much smaller scale. But there's still room for other people to, to get in there and just, you know, just, just get some to get get to some level of uh, professionalism where they can understand what brands need. And then, you know, they might be in a position where they could take some photos for a brand and have their helicopter flights paid for, yeah, you know, yeah. like, and, and obviously I'm just always keen to encourage that because if we see photographers up their game and, and get to a point where they can start to work with brands, like, you know, I don't feel threatened. I just encourage it because then, you know, there's just more people in the scene and 
yeah, it'll just be an exciting time. So it it can grow bigger. I think what 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 um is very hard is getting money out of out of uh, a big um big brands because they've got so many people vying for mm. that you know that one thing i know with the uh, shooting for uh, uh us fly fishing guys i mean they'll they'll give you a net you know or they'll give you a backpack or something but you yeah. know you've driven down four hours to some spot twice and slept in a tent and bought food it, that balance is very very difficult because there's money but there's so many players who want to cut of that pie yeah yeah it's it's a really interesting dynamic as well because what you can have are photographers that yeah love to take photos for for a free fishing net or um some free meals right yeah and then they go so far out of their way to try to take images that give it back to a brand and what that does is like essentially they've done a lot of work for nothing like it'd be a lot easier just to go buy some meals like getting yeah. free shit actually isn't that great because yeah. nothing's free when you're doing something in return yeah and so what can happen is you know like people that are doing a professional job they might not be getting paid because someone's offering the same service for free and then everyone's losing yeah 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 <laughs> you know so yeah so it, like that is a pretty interesting dynamic but i don't think that anyone should really start to get into taking photographs for their of their hunts with the mindset of I want to get paid or I want to get a following or I want to get free shit. Like that's like, you're never going to do uh, like, you're never going to represent your hunting as well as what you could have if you just went out there and enjoyed it. Yeah. And document you know, like it. Pe- ex- exactly. You know, cause people can just, you know, like they, they think that there's some, some glory in getting free gear and being attached to a brand that doesn't necessarily support them very well yeah and so they find yeah like interest in that and it just skews how they hunt and and how they portray their hunting opposed to to other people that just go out just for the love of it and you know they might start taking photos and they might get really good at uh, at it and all the content is just so genuine and people get really attached to that yeah um and then you know that person that's putting out genuine content and doing a really good job of it in the end that'll be more appealing to brands anyway yeah you know yeah. because if if you if you're telling brands like hey i'm not interested in getting paid like i'd rather just um buy my own meals buy my own boots um then it starts to show that there's actually you know you have some value like you don't need to rely on these brands for, for any free shit and um, then those brands will be attracted to that as well i think uh uh when I was a couple of years into freelancing, my, my motto was, uh, I'll do everything for free, but you're going to pay my rent. So, uh, yeah. you know, I'll send them the bill for my rent. It's great. I'll go shoot for free, but he's fucking paying my rent. You know, you don't need to put anything in my bank. Um, yeah. How did, how did the Hunter's Journal, the name came about? Because it really influences the content, right? Yeah. It was, it was a funny thing. That was, oh shit, how long ago was I in Auckland? I was interning up in Auckland um, for a production company up there. And um, and I was just thinking, oh, I want to do something in the hunting scene and, and I need a name for it. And then I was, just, I was just driving around with my old boss and we were just trying to spit out names. And then, you know, I, I spit out the Hunter's Journal and, um, you know, a boss at the time, he was like, mm, 
I don't know, I don't really like it. But in my head, I was like, no, I actually really, really like that. So not long after, I just bought the domain for it. Oh, and yeah. then, it, yeah, I, I didn't end up by using it for another three years or something. But just back then, I just, um, yeah, just thought of the thought of the name. And yeah, three years later, I ended up by just running with it. That's awesome, man. How, how many yeah. how many editions have you got out now? Eight, right? No, we've done nine. Um, that's printed. Yeah, that's printed. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, working on issue 10. So that's going to come out in Christmas because we, like, we should have already had number 10 out, but we had the last couple articles to do for issue 10. And right as we had everything planned to go out and shoot those, um, that's when that latest COVID lockdown hit. So right from the get-go, I was like, oh, fuck, I don't think I'm going to be able to get this out. And then it sort of dragged out. And then, you know, we we couldn't get people from Auckland down for certain trips. And and then obviously, as soon as we start pushing out that deadline, then it leaves us with no room to make the next issue before Christmas. So I was like, fuck it, we'll just have to skip an issue because I don't want to put out anything shit. And then just start to build up a bit of a backlog of, of content for issue 10 and beyond anyway uh, from the Christmas time. So, yeah. The the current lockdown screwed a lot of people over, man. Um, I'm yep. I'm in Auckland. I'm in week seven, eight. I don't know, man. I like right before. I, I'm going completely feral. Like I've been eating freaking <laughs> Kellogg's cornflakes. You know that's you know I just I stopped yeah. cooking. You're just like chowing Kellogg's cornflakes right before <laughs> I spoke to you. And and it uh, I had a, a, a hunt plan and a and a with with you know we had a videographer and everything and it's been canceled everyone's in the south island so they're basically just waiting for me to to fly my ass down and yeah. um, it's it's i think the the key for me is is uh moving to the south island i think that's do it or or just move four hours or two hours south of auckland because th- it feels to me like this is going to keep on forever it's always going to be yeah. outbreaks and 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 just yeah um dude i'd encourage it <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 man i'm i'm we're actively looking so i <laughs> just freaking Good. get down and on public land there um wh- where do you see yourself in, in 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 10 years like big big magazine and a bunch of other things attached to it like you say you're you're doing stuff for clients what what's your plan or are you just taking it as it comes yeah oh gotta be gotta be careful with that one eh? just because there's there's some good shit happening um yeah yeah and i don't want to share share too much of it until it's all sort of locked in but you know we've got we've we've got a lot of plans eh? um and like everything to do with the magazine is all is uh, it's all about hunters right and so any plans that we make for the magazine is how can we basically benefit kiwi hunters and hunters overseas and so you know that'll that'll keep steering us in a, in a direction and and you know eventually people will see where that where that leads us um and you know we've got other plans behind the scene on on what we'll be doing so yeah do you i, I see a lot of young like it's a lot of young guys in hunting and i, I like and it's it's people who the, that you wouldn't traditionally see in the field right uh it's like I just call it the hipster hunters. Um, yeah. I try to think of myself as one of those guys, but I'm 42, so I'm I'm not in that category anymore. It's it's weird <laughs> thinking that I'm I'm not in that young crowd anymore. But 
why do you think it started appealing to a different crowd? Because you know, there's a traditional view of what a hunter is. And I, I, I mm. think a lot of people still see it like that, but it's not, man. It's guys wearing trucker caps and freaking, you know, they're doing other like cool sports out there and stuff. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's a really hard one for me to touch on because I'm pretty damn young myself. So I don't have, you know, like I can't say 20 years ago what it was like being a hunter or, or what my friends were like as hunters. So I'm not sure if, if there's just like different crowds that are starting to get in, into hunting now or if people are just starting to share more about themselves yeah, through yeah, yeah. online, you know, like, yeah. you know, before, before everyone was on Instagram and Facebook, like they might've been hunting. I don't know, but, yeah. but now we just see everyone's personal lives online. So yeah, I, like I said, I just don't know if it's, if it's, new scenes coming into hunting or if they've always been there um do you think because i i don't think that a lot of the creatives were involved in hunting and if you look at at the hunter's journal i mean layout is like awesome you can compare it to to any of the good magazines out there it, it doesn't stand back you know at all mm. and the photography is in top notch there's not one shot in there you know that's that's not like some of the best outdoor photography you know you can put the guys who take those photos into any scene snowboarding mountain biking downhilling whatever and they'll pull their weight um why do you think there's this creative burst in it and 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 maybe maybe it's only reached new zealand now but but why is that i don't know (laughs) i'm not i'm not i'm not full of these answers eh? Yeah, yeah i think i think what i what I've seen with a lot of people is they get to a point where, you know, like we, we try to express this as much as we can. Like we're, we're hunters and we're not, we're not just killers. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so I think it gets to a point where these hunters, like they, they might've ticked off a few species. And so they don't necessarily, like they want to go back into that location and, and go back on another massive hunt, but they don't have the same desire to kill something. Yeah. So then they might start filling their time up with a new challenge, which might be either bow hunting or taking photos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I think I think that definitely contributes to to more people getting creative within within the hunting scene. Um, and you know maybe maybe for for you know the younger guys like myself, once we start seeing more people in the creative scene within hunting, and you know we're passionate about the outdoors and we're passionate about creating shit that we're just sort of seeing other guys sort of lead the charge where, you know, there's some inspiration there to, to do the same. And so obviously if, if you want to be doing the same, then you get in there and do it and you put it out there and, you know, all of a sudden you've got more people just doing creative shit. So. Yeah. I yeah. think um, I've seen with, with, with doing fly fishing photography also, like I get such a huge kick from documenting it that I, I sometimes feel I don't actually need to go out and fish yeah like being there and like seeing someone who's really good at what they're doing and doing huge river crossings and almost drowning and all this shit and like really hammering it is is enough for me um i don't need to like if i've caught if someone goes oh yeah here's the rod catch a fish and you've got one fish that's it i don't need to say i had a 10 or a 12 or whatever fish day it doesn't matter to me 
because the creative yeah. process is is so satisfying um and yeah and getting that result is awesome yeah i'm i i feel the exact same way about it all eh? like it's so so rewarding being able to you know do the hard yards right um with your hunters and just have them enjoy their moment because you know they're not interested well like you know a, a lot of these hunters they're not interested in taking photos and yeah. so just letting them enjoy their moment being behind the rifle and then at the end of it they just see the photos and like you know your high lasts almost longer than than theirs does because they're just so appreciative of the images that they've got and so for me like there's there's two parts to taking photos it's like i love i love the side where um where i'm taking images for a magazine i'm taking images and working with brands but for me it's also massively about taking photos of that individual hunter whoever it is and just doing a really good job of it and then them just having photos of of them doing what they love forever you know so when it gets to a point where you know i'm 80 years old and i've been with a bunch of these other old boys i'm just going to have this massive bank of just epic imagery you yeah, know yeah, yeah. and like and and i look at at photography um or or images that they used to get back in you know the the 60s and whatnot when they're hunting and fuck i love it eh? it's just so cool to see where they were at, at that time how they were hunting what they were hunting and and you know if it wasn't for that photographer that that memory would have been lost so for for me to be deep you know be doing the same and just keeping those memories for for the younger generation like i'm i'm excited for that um when i look at some of those old images i just think like damn those guys were hard bastards man they were <laughs> yeah. they were hunting in the shittest gear available yeah. and i don't yeah. think i can do it i don't think i can go in those boots and those heavy layers and go do it like i really rely on gear to to kind of keep me in a safe state i don't know what the correct word is just yeah to, you know yeah like yeah like when i when i started getting into hunting I, I think I was right at the tail end of, of the gear being relatively shit, you know, like it was, it was roll out foam, uh, foam beds that would sleep on. Um, it was the old classic gas cookers with your pot and everything that you carry in, you know, before jet boils, um, headlamps still had a bulb in them. And, and so, yeah, like looking even past that at the, at the kit that those old boys used to have, like it's, that's pretty impressive, but even on the photography side as well, shooting all of that on film and, and looking after your old slides and rolls yeah. of film and all of that, like that was, a, that yeah, that was always impressive. Um, and like once I started working with a lot of different brands, I've had a good taste of what's out there in terms of gear. Yeah. So although I started off with like really shit gear and I, I couldn't afford much to, to keep me comfortable in the mountains, you know, um, but now that I have tried all the comfortable gear, it's like, oh, I couldn't go back, eh? Yeah, man. Yeah. For sure. Like, what, what, like you, can, you can 100% hunt just as well in the old shitty gear, right? Because yeah. it's, it's all about you and how hard you work and how well you know animals. But I sort of prefer to hunt just as hard, but just be more comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> and warmer and drier. Ex exactly. All of that. It's like... It, it does make a difference. I, I went out a while ago and I had what I would describe as decent gear. Um, 
and it kept me warm and kept me dry. But when I came back from the hunt, I just sold it on Trade Me, and yeah. I just bought lighter stuff, and and it just makes a huge difference. And I mean, there's there's stuff out there that isn't even hunting gear, like uh, uh, a green Patagonia jacket that's super light, built for alpinists, uh, is fine. Yeah, if it's gonna if yeah. it's gonna last, it's fine. But man, heavy gear and you're you're carrying a rifle and you're carrying a backpack just pisses me off. I just, it just makes me want to like say, screw this and go back sometimes. I just, yeah. yeah. Maybe and, I'm just not what Oh, no, nah, like, yeah, I think it's just once you have a taste for, for good equipment, you find it hard to go back. But what, what I've found is like people love to invest heavily in their rifle setup and their, and their glass, yeah. like their, their binoculars and scopes. Yeah, fair enough. Same with their boots. Like, that's that's something that everyone can agree on like you kind of do want to spend good money on that yeah but like when you hand someone a pair of um you know like a geovids over over their old steiners once you see the difference you're like okay i understand what i'm paying for now these are incredible and i think the exact same goes with clothing and i don't think a lot of people appreciate that either where people want to be real stingy on their clothing and it's like okay sweet you can still still hunt in, in your in your average gear um but once you just invest in that nice clothing and equipment you realize like you yeah yeah you basically realize what you're missing out on um and so yeah i just reckon like clothing is such an underestimated thing where where people don't want to spend money on it i think um uh i have a bit of a disease with my obsession with gear um i sometimes uh, text the buddy of mine i'm like bro you need to stop me i'm gonna buy real expensive shit now <laughs> that i don't need because i've already yeah. got it um dude what's the coldest you've ever been like in the mountain where you thought like oh shit this is rough i don't know i don't think i've ever really gauged how cold it was like because on some hunts especially sort of tar hunts it's freezing cold but it's it's it may not be real cold, like you know, you, you might be around the minus five, but it's just the fact that here generally everything heats up during the day and you just get wet, slushy snow and everything just gets cold and damp. So the environment just feels way more gnarly. Yeah, but yeah. then I remember over in Mongolia where it was just really dry. Um and I didn't realize how cold it was getting until I was, you know walking along and realized that my whole bladder had frozen up that I was sipping out of. And I was like, holy shit, that must be, that must be relatively cold. Meanwhile, I don't get that level of cold in New Zealand. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what, what the coldest has been, but um, yeah, I, I, I might've, I might've ticked off a pretty low temperature if I'd taken up the chance to go to uh, Russia to film a Russian brown beer hunt. But yeah, um, didn't happen. Yeah, I kind of regret turning that one down oh. after after COVID hit. I was like, shit. I mean, traveling wouldn't done? be too bad right now. Yeah. Um, what did you what did you film in, in Mongolia? Or did you go hunt yourself? No, so um there, there was a fella called Pedro and he manages QU Europe. And yeah. he's a he's a bow hunter and a rifle hunter, and he's um he's quite popular on YouTube and, and Instagram. And so he was looking for a cameraman to go over to mongolia with him to, to film his hunt so um yeah i just put up my hand and it was like sweet as 
So I just jumped on the plane. I got like, it's, it's quite funny because I'm like, my character is quite interesting for some people because I like to have a lot of fun. And um, <laughs> Pedro at the time, he was, he was quite a straight shooter. And so on the flight over there, I ended up by just getting hammered on uh, bourbon and Cokes to the point where I'd spilled it all over me. I was like throwing up in the, in the airport, I mean, in the airport and in the plane. And I, and I rocked up into Beijing and I was just, I was just stupidly hung over. Eh? And he, and he texts me on, um, on WhatsApp and he's like, how are you going? And I was like, man, I'm just crook. And for Pedro, I was like, who is this guy? Like, he hasn't even turned up yet and he's already hung over and not feeling great. <laughs> so, yeah, but eventually we got over there and, and he ended up by being the one that got, um, oh, what was it? It was like tonsillitis. Oh, no, I, I, I can't remember, but he got crook as shit over there. And so he could have hunt four or five days straight. Um, but yeah, so we were hunting Ibex, those, those yeah. giant mountain goat things. Like, they seeing those things was like you know my first time seeing a bull tar it was just on another level eh? just yeah, yeah the size of them and just their necks and oh they were just wicked to see i can imagine but, um, man that's one of my dream dream hunts is although if 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 lockdown if i get to go back to south africa i don't know in 2030 whenever this shit is over i'll definitely <laughs> try and shoot like um uh, a couple of the animals there that i thought i didn't need to shoot because it wasn't for meat but some of those animals are are epic did, did you manage to shoot like it yourself or were you just filming no I, I was just filming on that trip and pedro didn't actually end up by shooting one on that initial trip um just because uh well obviously we wasted so much time with him just sleeping essentially and then we had one opportunity but it wasn't quite as big as what he was after and then that was it so after about 10 days of hunting, we, we left with nothing. And he went back a couple of weeks later and he did invite me to go back with him. And it was kind of like, I could go back, but I potentially have to take another two weeks off. And I, I was just like, I just don't think I can, I can really afford to take off that much time. Um, but when he went back, I think it was on the second or third day, he just nailed this absolute giant Ibex with the bow. So in hindsight, you know, like can't, can't really blame it, but yeah, fuck, I, I would love to have been there with him to to share that moment, eh? But that's right, it's sort of the way it goes. I think if if you're in this industry on a on a creative level, um, uh, I've also have a couple of things that I regret not going on, and just saying yes makes all the difference. Eh? Like it, if you say yeah. yes, you, you're in that situation where so much stuff can happen even just getting good yeah. images, you know? Um, yeah. And, and I, I, I think the best friends I've had are like, uh, I think the, the, the term yes, a yes man is a, is an insult, but people, when you go like, Hey, do you want to do this Saturday? They're just like, yes, they don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Let's go, let's go do it, man. And we'll see what happens. And, and, and that's, that's uh, makes for some epic, epic missions. Yeah. And, and i I find it so hard because like, I've I've got to be really strategic about where I'm spending my time because yeah. you know I've got I've got a limited amount of time to be going on hunts. So it's not like I can just say yes to everyone and go on them. Yeah, yeah. And it's generally always the hunts that I say no to that turn out to be really epic in terms <laughs> of like 
on the on the animal side and what happens so yeah, yeah i've definitely fucked that one up a lot of times <laughs> sucks man so so we're almost running out of time and i just want to want to uh hear one or two other things from you uh your advice for south africans who are used to hunting in 35 degrees celsius heat in shorts and coming to new zealand what gear should they buy honestly just make sure that you have a really comfy camp set up in terms of like, honestly, get some fleece pants, some, some insulated booties and a puffer jacket and gloves and a beanie to make sure that you're warm whenever you get back to camp. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I reckon, I reckon that's the biggest thing is like, all right, when you're out moving on the hill, you do want to be warm and comfortable. Um, But if you don't have any extra layers to get back into when you're back at camp, yeah, then it's miserable. So I, I always prioritize what I've got back at camp. And like the amount of times that I've been on those cold hunts and people get back and they're cold and miserable and they, and they just sit outside waiting for their uh, water to boil. Meanwhile, I get back, I put on my, my dry fleece bum pants, my, my puffer booties, my puffer jacket, and I'm just the most comfy, happy person there. Right? So I can, I can prioritize having a camp. Uh, that's good advice man comfortable sleeping yeah. makes all the freaking difference i i always take stuff with and people are like why are you carrying this extra weight i'm like well yeah. when i'm sleeping i need to know that i'm dry and i'm freaking happy otherwise it screws up the whole whole uh, yeah for sure yeah yeah man cam i think that's it we're we're done i really really dig what you guys are doing man i that that duck hunting video that you shot with the metal playing yeah like even just yeah 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 i know the one projects like that man i've watched it probably 10 times i'm not joking Uh, (laughs) the choice of music the photography like the sense of humor everything um and i can't wait to to see where you guys are going um i think i think uh i think the young guns are taking over hunting and they're creative and they're freaking hungry and yeah man that's what hundred journals shows me so yeah awesome hey i appreciate it we do it for people exactly like you so as long as you're happy then yeah. you know we're doing the right thing so it's we'll keep cool. doing that i'll uh hopefully make it a, a, a trip or a permanent shift down to the south island and when i'm there i'll i'll hit you up bro. do it do it cool man good <laughs> luck and i hope uh, to see the next issue soon sweet man hey i appreciate it cool cheers yeah, have a good Cheers. day.